Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I am your host, Juwan, and we have been away for a little bit, but I think we are all really glad to be back, so without further ado, let me introduce our amazing panelists. Uh, First off, Nick. What's going on, Nick? What's up, man? Uh, Yeah, very excited to be back. We got uh, some really cool trailers to talk about, and not a whole lot of news, but the news that we do have, uh, I'm very excited to talk about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, It's just really good to be back talking with you guys. Like, I I was talking to Joel the other day when we went to go see um, It Chapter 2, and it was like, I haven't talked to Tia and Nick in, like, a really long time. Like, I need to do the show this week. (laughs) Were you suffering from withdrawals, my friend? I was, a little bit. A a little bit. Uh, Speaking of, Tia, not only do I want to introduce you, but I want to ask you, how was your your time at the play, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Charlie Cox's uh, play? Like, how was that? that? That had to have been amazing. Oh, it was completely amazing. I couldn't believe it. As soon as they got out on stage, I was like, holy shit, I'm seeing them, but it's not on the screen. They're literally in person. Our seats were actually really good, so I was fairly close to them. And, I mean, they look – you know how sometimes the camera makes people look a little different? To me, they look exactly how they look normally on screen. Um, they did a fantastic job, I do have to say, the play – was really good. Not sure if you two are theater lovers, but um, it was certainly different than most plays that I've seen. It was interesting, but it had a good story, and the energy was definitely palpable. I want to say, even though obviously you can say that Tom Hiddleston was obviously the uh, the bigger name in that cast, that Char- uh, Charlie Cox was actually the main character. Mm. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I um I did have I'm not huge on theater, but to be fair, it's because I like the biggest uh the the one I've loved the most that I've been to is Newsies. Like I could see Newsies 
every day of my life to be entertained. <laughs> um, I love Newton. Um, but I just haven't been to enough. So I think if I just kind of like expanded and went to a lot more, I think I would enjoy it more. Um, but the idea of Charlie Cox and Tom Hiddleston, I mean, that already had me sold. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you had a great time. I wanted to give you a chance to let everyone know uh, how much fun you had, or if you didn't have fun, why you didn't have fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you got to experience that. Hopefully, in a few weeks, we could have a sit-down with Tom Hiddleston at New York Comic Con and um, oh even tell him all about it, and maybe we can get some Loki information out of him. That'd be great. Um, That'd be no, awesome. I'm really, glad, I'm really glad you got to experience that. Um, I will forever, anytime I hear the name Charlie Cox, I will forever bring up the time that I bumped into him. It will always be a sacred moment for me. Um, <laughs> When I tell you that it was so, so, I literally looked up from my phone and bumped into him. And like, you see this big, huge security guard coming towards me. I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt him. Like I didn't even see him. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, and he just looked at me and he's like, hi. And I'm like, I, I, I think I'm in love with Charlie Cox. So that's awesome. And I hope we it's can have funny. a moment like that with Tom Hiddleston. It's funny you say that. A few years ago, I was going to this restaurant for a friend's birthday party in New York City, and I could have sworn that Ron Howard, you know, the director, was walking out just as I was walking in, but he was so casual. No one was, like, making a big deal. I'm like, maybe I didn't see that. And then as soon as I got to the bar and some of my friends were there, they were like, did you just see that Ron Howard just walked out? I was like, yeah, it was Ron Howard. I did, actually. <laughs> I would. That is, it would be t- difficult for me not to be like, OB! <laughs> he would hate me. <laughs> it was so quick. It was so quick. I didn't even register. At first. <laughs> it's, it, it's so weird because it's like anytime you see someone famous, like you're, you're at home, you're watching, and you're like, man, if I ever saw blah, blah, blah on the street, I would go crazy. But then, like, you see him, and you, like, some people immediately freeze. Like, you have no yeah. idea what to say. Um, and it's funny because <laughs> that's what I did with Charlie Cox, and Joel did that when we did the Titans panel. God couldn't say a word. <laughs> it's just like, especially when he saw Minka Kelly. Joel was just like, I, I don't know what to say to this beautiful woman. Like, I'm stuck. Um, <laughs> but all right, uh, let's, let's move on. Um, all right, let's get into some trailer talk. We got um, a few trailers to get through before we get to our main um, topics. Let's start off with, I wrote Dr. Sleep, but something in the back of my brain kept telling me that isn't the name of the movie. Isn't it called Dr. Sleep? Yeah, I'm not tripping, right? Okay, all right. Yeah, because I'm like, I could have sworn I just saw the trailer in the theaters the other day, but I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, um, this I I thought this looked really interesting. Um, it this last trailer expanded on more than what I thought this movie was gonna give me. Um, mm. I believe Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Rebecca Ferguson is who I saw, um, who seems to be trying to um capture, excuse me, capture the um. The little girl who is, I guess, super OP in this in this movie. Um, <laughs> I guess the reason why this trailer kind of caught me off guard is because um, I was trying to remember if the actual movie, The Shining, um, had alluded to the idea of people having abilities like this, um, and I just couldn't remember. So I, I guess I just wasn't expecting 
them to kind of go full out into abilities, powers, um, kids being Superman level OP. Like I just I wasn't expecting it. Um, so it caught me off guard, but I mean, very rarely do I see anything with Ewan McGregor that I'm like, I'm, I don't know if I want to see it. Um, so I'd say the biggest thing that I'm excited to see going into this movie is Ewan McGregor. Um, but Nick, you being a fan of The Shining and everything, what did this last trailer do for you? Did it did it heighten your your um, excitement for it, or is it kind of the same as it was when you saw the first trailer? It did heighten my excitement for it. Um, I think those are probably the best words that you could use to describe my viewing of this trailer. Um, I, like you, was not really I – have, I haven't read the book. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we talked about the last time we, we broke down the, the, um, the last trailer uh, for Dr. Sleep that um, essentially they were able to sort of – bridge the gap between um, Stephen King's version and universe of uh, The Shining and, and this novel um, with uh, you know the, the version of The Shining that we got theatrically, um, and that already kind of heightened my intrigue, um, the fact that they were able to, to kind of come to terms uh, in, in that regard. So – that was has been in the back of my head since you know since we had discussed that, um, and then with this, it definitely seems like like kind of like what you were alluding to, Juwan, that they are expanding on this, uh, and I'm sure uh, King's book does a lot of this as well, um, but they are ex- expanding on this this sort of universe um, and really. It, Taking this the character of Danny into a whole different direction, um, and this almost kind of seems like a political thriller, but with supernatural elements, um, and that's just really fucking intriguing to me. Um, with you know these these uh, I guess antagonists that are coming after both Danny and and this young girl. Um, it also obviously has the the whole Logan aspect. Um, of you know uh older um male protagonist uh with with a, a, a protecting a young girl as if um you know she it, it obviously being special and and having this father daughter like relationship obviously with in Logan it being um more genetically based but nevertheless uh that element is is has it has garnered a lot of intrigue um as of late uh, after after the making of Logan, and so I, I like that aspect of it, and, and just the fact that they have all of these various people coming after them, and you're like, who the fuck are these people? Like, what, like, what's their deal? Why do they not like people who shine? They obviously have some kind of powers as well. Um, what's going on? What is their connection to? Um, to the uh, shit, why did I just fucking blanked on the name of the hotel? Um, but like, what's their connection to um, the the powers that that sort of lie behind uh, the the hotel in The Shining? Um, and like, how does this all connect back to the original material? I'm really fucking intrigued. I'm still cautiously optimistic 
Um, I like I don't want to get myself too hyped, but I am really intrigued to see how all of these various components connect together um, to 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 you know basically expound upon the original story uh, that of The Shining. I'm really intrigued, and I think too that just um, I like I I can't tell if it's just you and McGregor being you and McGregor. And maybe he was just like the obvious choice to portray an older version of Danny, or if there's something that he's doing that makes me feel like, wow, this is like he's really nailing what I would picture to be like an adult version of Danny. And I I, I think that's also very intriguing to me. So yeah, this this trailer definitely got me like even more hyped for this movie. Beyond the point where I was just cautiously optimistic, and now I'm starting to ask all the questions of how does all of this connect and rope back to The Shining, um, my favorite horror movie of all time. So, yeah, that that cautious optimism is still there, but the intrigue has probably doubled for me. Yeah, the the biggest thing for me was what excited me the most. The overlook. Uh, usually – right, right. Sorry. But usually – um, I'm not a fan of stories that we got to take it back to where it began. It's like, no, you don't really, like if we've seen it from where it began, I don't need you to necessarily go back. Um, but I am intrigued. It's what excited me the most of this trailer, um, is the idea of going back there. Um, so, I mean, th- there's a lot that, um, you know, I do want to kind of see from this, but, I know I ask you this all the time, Nick, and I have heard from a lot of fans that don't really get why I ask this all the time. Um, but hmm. I do want to ask you, as someone that is a, uh, like, like I said before, is a huge fan of The Shining, if you leave Dr. Sleep and all you can say is you were really entertained, um, would you feel disappointed in the aspect of that? Or is your excitement not high enough that it needs to be necessarily anything more than just entertaining for you? That needs to be a mind fuck. Like, okay. it, it it can't just be entertaining. And like, and that's not to say that it needs to blow my mind, but it needs to leave me feeling like at least a little bit of like, oh my god, dude, what the fuck just happened? Um, like somewhat. Um, and and probably honestly, I would say if I were going to, I'm gonna try my best not to do this. But I hope that at least at some point in the 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 movie theater that I'm going to be like I'm gonna have that same feeling that I get when I watch The Shining of just like ha- like just the atmosphere that they engross you in um, like that's what I'm looking forward to most and that's what I hope they capture. It's not even as much about what happens in the movie um, or like the, the finale or, you know, does the third act deliver? It's more like, did I get a feeling overall throughout watching this movie um, that captures the feeling that I got when, you know, even today when I watched The Shining, after having seen it 50 odd times, like, do I get that same kind of feeling? That's what I'm going to be looking forward to most. I think, again, the closest thing that really captured that feeling for me um, since I've watched The Shining is The Witch. 
Um, and it's just a completely different fucking movie. Like, everything about that movie is totally different from The Shining. Um, but, like, a lot of people are like, man, well, the third act kind of fell off the rails, or, you know, I saw the ending coming, or it just got really weird, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I can I can concede all those arguments, but, like, do you know how that made me feel just the whole time watching it, just being engrossed in it? Like, that's what I look for in a horror movie. And, like, I can forgive, you know, they say, like, if you, if you want to have a great movie, wow them in the end, like, have a great ending, a great third act. With horror, I, I feel like that's the case for the masses, but that's not the case for me. Like, I want it to be a whole experience from beginning to end where it has a certain um, je ne sais quoi, if you will, that just makes me feel um, on edge the whole fucking time. Uh, and just, like, never really – never really lets up, never really like lets you up to breathe from that. Um, and that's what The Shining does, that's what The Witch does, and that's what I'm hoping this movie does. Yeah, the biggest reason why I asked you is <clears throat> leaving, by the way, anyone who has never seen a movie in Dolby Cinema, I, I you know, I never did before. I saw It Chapter 2 in Dolby Cinema. I now think any other version or format of theater is for peasants. Um, but the point I was going to make was the reason why I asked you that is because when I saw it chapter two, I walked into it saying, um, if I'm entertained, like that's good enough for me. Like I'm not, I love, I did enjoy the first one a lot. Um, I thought Andy did a masterful job. Um, but I remember saying it's so much hype to live up to because of how good the first one was. If I can just be entertained, that's good enough for me. Nick, I left the second one, by the way, you aren't going to be the hugest fan of it, Nick, only because of the pop-up scares. Um, Jump but, scares, yeah. Yes, it is a really good movie. Um, they pick really good actors to, you know, to fill in for the kids. They felt like an extension of the kids. But anyway, is it as good as the point, first one? For, for me personally, I, I personally think it is. But I don't want to say it definitively because we might have different tastes. Well, sure, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, after you see it. Um, but for me, it was. I enjoyed it the same way I did. The kids were were still in it. It wasn't like they were completely out of it. Um, but anyway, the point I was making is I left this saying I felt satisfied. Like if this is the ending of you know of it, I felt satisfied. So, so that was why I wanted to ask you because if Doctor Sleep is the ending of the Shining story, um, would you be okay if when you left all you felt was just entertained, or would you kind of feel like? No, no, man, if, if you were going to come back and tell this story again, you needed to do more than just entertain me. It needed to, to be good enough to not only live up to what the first did, but to close it. And I kind of feel like this is for it. This was the way to close it. Don't make a third one. Don't make a fourth one. I just really hope sure. Warner Brothers doesn't get swept up in the idea of the money that it generated, that it looks to continue it, because this is how you end it. Um, I don't yeah. need anything well, else. Yeah, to answer, I mean, to answer that in in particular, like it's, it doesn't have Stanley Kubrick directing it, so I'm not expecting right, it right. to live up to, um, you know, the the, the Shining, um, but like if if it if all I find it to be is entertaining and it doesn't have like that all those added elements that The Shining has, I'm fine with it. I just like I won't ever watch it again, and I, I I'll just pretend like it doesn't exist <laughs> so like I'll, that'll be my recourse 
I can't blame you, man. Uh, Tia, I, I did want to ask you before I get uh, get you into Dr. Sleek, have you seen It Chapter 2 yet? I have not seen It Chapter 2 yet. To be honest, I'm probably just going to wait till it um, comes out, you know, on a digital just to watch it. Mm-hmm. Me too. That, 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 <laughs> Me too. That's nothing, yeah, that's nothing against the movie. Um, I think I've said this before. I generally don't go to the movie theaters unless it's a a Marvel movie just because those are such big events. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, it's nothing against the movie. I do want to see it. I'm just not going to go to the theater to go see it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I didn't see the first one in theaters. I didn't see the first one until it came out on HBO. So, I mean, I I wasn't going to say anything to that. Um, I'm just saying seeing it. I want you both to at some point see it um, because I, I am curious as to what you guys' thoughts are on the movie. I think Andy did such a great job. I honestly, Tia, when I left this movie, mm-hmm. I left this movie saying, I kind of wish Andy would start The Flash now. Like, that's how much I enjoyed <laughs> his directing. Um, yeah. Because he was able to blend it. Like, the the Flash that Ezra wanted to where it was a little bit darker than what we know Barry to be, um, I'm like, he blended it to where it was it was love, it was compassion, it was dark, it was scary. Um, the visuals were there. Uh, the suspense was there. And I'm like, direct the flashlight now before we lose everything, Andy. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> you talked to you on the Doctor Sleep trailer. Uh, did it do it for you? Did it add excitement? Did it add hype? Or are you the same as you were for the first trailer? No, yeah. Um, when I watched the trailer, it really, I felt that, like, suspense that you want to feel when a horror movie is being promoted and I think that for me it's just all Ian McGregor I'm not necessarily sure if if they had someone else other than him playing that role if maybe it would jive with me enough but the fact that like Ian McGregor was in that trailer completely selling it I thought to myself all right I can see this this you know because It's so much later on, obviously there's a different director, but it's still telling the same, you know, still telling that extension of the story. So it's going to feel different, but at the same point, you want to still have what, say, um, that feeling that The Shining did. You want to still have that in the same world and that it still is working properly. So to me, the the second trailer definitely sold it. I definitely got really excited while watching it just because I think Ian McGregor is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if, again, and, and I, don't, I don't usually like to say that because it's not fair to whoever else might have been in the role, but um, if anyone else was in this role, I don't know if I would be as eager to not rush out to see it, but to make sure I saw it in theaters, as I am for you and McGregor. Um, I just love him as an actor. I think he's very underrated. I think if you have not seen Star Wars movies, you probably have not seen a Ewan McGregor movie, and that is sad. Um, unfortunate. Let me not say sad. That is unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, like I said before, the biggest reason I'm excited is for Ewan McGregor. I want to see as much Ewan McGregor as possible. I don't think we see him enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not as big of a fan of The Shining um, as as I know a lot of people are, not just you, Nick. I know a lot of people that are huge fans. Um, so the idea of doing a follow-up or a sequel 
didn't really excite me. And then it's like, oh, you and McGregor. Now I'm interested. And then Rebecca Ferguson. Now I'm even more interested. Um, so, I mean, I just hope it's really good. I mean, I don't need any more blemishes on Ewan McGregor's uh, acting career. So, I need this to be good. Like, good, good. Um, but, all right, let's move on to another movie that I'm pretty sure, universally, we all can agree will be a knockout movie. And that is Ford v. Ferrari, if I am saying that correctly. Um, the, the movie looks masterful um i can guarantee you guys i will be watching it um once it comes on hbo or um digital not really spending money to go see this but it does look like it definitely (laughs) will pick up um an oscar nod and i'm gonna say this whoever is uh christian bale's dietitian doctor on staff or whatever his constant need well not need but his constant his like the way he gains his weight, dedication. Loses, he gains weight, right? His dedication. Thank you, Nick. Um, for gaining weight, losing it. Gaining weight, losing it. That has to be bad for the body. Like I can't imagine yeah. that as many times as this guy has done it, that his body is like, nah, it's cool. We can keep doing this for forever. No, that has <laughs> to affect his body somehow. Um, <laughs> Nick, I'm gonna start with you. What were your thoughts on the final trailer for Ford v Ferrari? Uh, yeah, this looks really fucking interesting. I mean, it's not something that, like, just that, that obviously this is based on a true story um, with, you know, the the uh, Laban, I think is the name of the, of the race, um, that, you know, the, the Ferrari brand won it, like, five years in a row, um, and, you know, they were just like, touting their shit and, like, trash-talking, like, American uh, innovation and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, probably, I mean, rightfully so at the time. Uh, and, you know, this guy comes along, and he's like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, like I can beat them. I can make a car that's, like, better than this being, obviously, Matt Damon's character. Um, but I need a guy who's going to be able to drive it. Uh, that being Christian Bale's character. And just, like, the way this trailer sets up where they first, like, meet each other, and he basically, he, like, gives him a little speech, and then Christian Bale punches him right in the fucking face, and they're, like, wrestling on the lawn, like, as Christian Bale's wife comes out and's like, hey, like, and they're like, hey, how's it going? Um, like, that that kind of, uh, I guess, bromantic charm, uh, it, it, it seems... Um, like it'll definitely have that going on in this movie, um, and both of these guys kind of going to bat for one another. Um, it definitely seems like a like a bromance movie um, in a, in a sense. Um, and seeing Matt Damon like play this kind of character, I I love it because uh, you know we, I mean he could just play characters from Boston for the rest of his life, and we would just be like, God, this guy's just he just fucking exudes Boston. He's fucking great at it. Um, but the fact that he like is constantly branching out and doing these various different characters, and obviously this is like a like a, a southern character. Um, my guess would be Texas, uh, and you know he he kind of just seems to nail it. Um, I I think from the accent that I heard, I think Christian Bale's supposed to be Australian, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know that. Um, I, like I don't know the the real story, but that's just like no, there's one particular line. He's supposed to be British. Okay, well, there was one line that stuck out to me as Australian, but um, okay, well, he's supposed to be British then. Um, 
But like, like having this kind of bond between these two characters, who obviously kind of, at least the way the trailer sets it up, they they have run in the same circles before. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, they they find themselves drawn to one another because. Christian Bale's character is a pain in the ass and difficult to work with. No one wants to, like, work with him. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Matt Damon's character is trying to build a badass race car for Ford, which is not – doesn't have the brand name or the recognition that warrants getting a driver who doesn't have baggage. Um, so they need each other. Um, so I'm expecting that to be, like, a huge play in this, and that's kind of what I took away from it. Um and yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I I think it could go one of two ways. I think it could be like um, you know, like a first man type movie where it's good but it's not great, and you know, it maybe just kind of is one of those m- more fringe Oscar movies. Um, or it could be like really good and get a lot of um, sort of Oscar talk. Um, you know, that that kind of ropes into it. Uh, it's hard to make a movie like this that that it has to be really fucking good to like really generate Oscar buzz um, for a movie like this in in today's Hollywood. Um, so we'll see, but uh, but it definitely looks like it's going to be good. Um, and you know when you're when you're casting two titans of the industry in Matt Damon and Christian Bale um, like together in a movie. I mean that in and of itself is, is going to get me excited. So yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty geeked for this one. Yeah, that alone is why I assume it will be a um, it'll get an Oscar nod. Now whether the movie does, maybe maybe not. But I think you could definitely maybe make a case for Matt Damon and Christian Bale. It's hard for me to believe that a movie that is supposed to be taken seriously, um, starring Christian Bale and Matt Damon, does not get some kind of um, nomination, but I mean, I could obviously be completely wrong. Um, seeing the movie would give a better idea, but um, I kind of just feel like it's tailor made for them to get a, a, a nod. Um, but Thea, excuse me, what were your thoughts on the final trailer for Ford v Ferrari? Um, so Ford v Ferrari is one of those movies that I'm hoping we get invited to go see since technically it is owned by Disney now. Um, but, yeah, I really liked the final trailer for this movie. I mean, not that I'm necessarily into racing, but I grew up with my dad who was very much into all of that kind of stuff, so something I was definitely exposed to. It looks like a great movie. I loved what Nick said, that it kind of gave, like, first-man vibes, and I certainly can feel that because, first of all, one of the – um reviews for the movie was saying that the actual race doesn't happen to like mostly towards the end of the movie and that was very much like with first man them getting to the moon was only towards the end of the movie so but um i'm gonna say that i almost wish that the trailer didn't show that scene between matt damon and christian bale that would have been a perfect scene to kind of see for the first time in the movie because in the first trailer we just saw Christian Bale punch Matt Damon, and that was kind of it. I mean, I love the scene already. It's just something I would have preferred to wait until the actual movie, but their dynamic looks great. I love um, Christian Bale as this kind of loud mouth, foul mouth, uh, brash guy who's extremely skeptical about 
Ford's ability to even come up with a car that can rival Ferrari, but he still does it anyway because it's like racing is in his blood. And I love the whole thing of just kind of like Ford is just tired of Ferrari kind of being the champions. And, you know, of course I have to mention it, but uh, John Bernthal plays uh, Lee Iacocca in this movie, um, who actually the guy just died like a month ago. But I love the scene where he's kind of telling the one guy that, oh, well, they said that you're ugly and, like, really fat or something like that, and our cars are ugly and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wow, there's some, <laughs> there's some fighting words going on in this movie. Shit is taken really seriously with these cars. So you already know that it is going to be, like, this just battle that, you know, they are very serious in trying to win against Ferrari, so I'm really excited for this movie. It looks like a lot of fun. It definitely is going to get some sort of Oscar nod, if anything, just because of, it's just because of, like, Christian Bale and Matt Damon. If that's, like, maybe, say, the only difference between that type of movie and First Man, which, again, you can compare, probably compare them to, even though we haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari, um, the thing mostly is that First man didn't have Matt Damon and Christian Bale going up, not going up against each other, working uh, together in the movie. So I'm really excited for this, and I can't wait to see it. If I may even see this in theaters, I'm just saying, maybe a matinee, I would go and see it. Nice. I love I love how you point that out too. The like, um, the big Burnthal being like, "Yeah, he called you like stupid and fat." <laughs> like, like it's so picture, childish. Like, Right, and he's, he probably didn't even say that, but you could actually picture like the the dude from Ferrari, like the dude who like is, is the owner of Ferrari or makes Ferraris or whatever, being like, you know, fucking stupid fat Americans think they can like compete with us. Fuck them. Um, like, so like it kind of like it reminds me of like Monty Python's like the French dude on the wall talking to the British dude, being like, I fought in your general direction, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I that that part of it I think is definitely gonna be played for laughs. But I, I expect it to be, um, I expect it to deliver said laughs. Yeah, this movie looks like it definitely will deliver, and you know, jury's still out on whether or not it'll get a nod or not, but probably so. Um, all right, let's move on to another movie that seems to be critically acclaimed. Uh, and that's Jojo the Rabbit. Um, Nick, what were your thoughts on, I think, the final trailer? Because I think it comes out soon. Yes. Um, but the final trailer for Jojo the Rabbit. Uh, I think it's just Jojo Rabbit, not Jojo the Rabbit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, I'm really fucking excited. I saw the first trailer, or maybe the second one, I can't remember which one it was, but the first time that I saw a trailer for this movie was in the theater um, – when I was sitting down to watch uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so I'm sitting there with uh, with my friend Lauren, um, and, you know, we're big Quentin Tarantino nerds. Um, and, like, this trailer comes on, and then all of a sudden this little kid who's just, like, you know, um, he's, like, upset, and his buddies are making fun of him and everything. And then fucking out comes Hitler 
portrayed by Taika Waititi being like, oh, hey, little guy, what's wrong? And, like, Lauren and I are just fucking laughing our asses off. And the whole theater is fucking quiet, like, other than us. Um, and just, like, it, it constantly built, um, like, throughout that first trailer. And this trailer just kind of adds on to it. Um, so, like, uh, I, I think it's clear now that, like, basically uh, his his the, – the child's um, – uh, shit, what's it called? Um, uh, friend, uh, uh, fake friend. What the fuck is that called? I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Tia, help me out here. Um, imaginary friend. <laughs> thank you. There we go. Uh, imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Um, and like, I didn't quite get that from the first trailer, but I definitely got it from this trailer. Um, and so like, he's got like this imaginary friend who just happens to be Adolf Hitler. Um, and, like, his perception of Adolf Hitler, obviously not the real person Adolf Hitler, um, and, like, and, and, and how, you know, it, it kind of the, the duality uh, of, um, you know, uh, I guess what, a, what an imaginary friend is. It's, like, um, there to provide you comfort, but also to uh, provide, like, a, a different um, part of your psyche, a different part of your mind. Um, to like create uh, conflict and, and, and ultimately resolution, um, and then you know when they find the the little girl essentially hiding in the house, um, who's obviously Jewish, uh, it, it, the the conflict that he has with his imaginary friend Adolf Hitler because of this and because of all of the propaganda that he's been taught. Uh, <laughs> Seems like it's gonna be really fucking interesting, um, and then also just like the slapstick comedy that seems like it's rooted in this. Like I knew, like I saw in the first trailer, the little shot where the kid throws the fucking axe at the train and bounces off and goes into the other kid's leg. Like I knew that was coming, but it still made me giggle like a fucking little kid. Um, and then also when like uh, when the kids are like uh, like. Uh, walking the munitions uh, like down the, the sidewalk and he like waves at him and like the other little kid waves and drops it and the fucking thing goes off and flies into one of the buildings and like blows it up like I was just like oh my god dude this is gonna have like I feel like it's gonna be like this perfect blend of like um, just wildly out there comedy with a little bit of slapstick um, and then like a lot of heartfelt um things entwined in it that I'm like, I'm just going to love this movie. Uh, like I, I got a lot of Moonrise Kingdom vibes from watching it. Um, like the same kind of, um, it, it really feels like the same kind of type of movie. Um, obviously just a little more out there and a little weirder. Um, but like, I'm all for that. I'm all for a little more out there and a little weirder. Uh, so yeah, I'm really fucking excited for this. Um, it looks fucking hilarious, and both trailers that I've seen have just made me laugh hysterically. So uh, I'm probably going to go see this one in theaters if I can find, uh, like, a theater that's somewhat nearby that uh, is going to actually show it. Because um, it, it definitely looks like kind of one of those low-budget um, movies that's not going to get a wide release. Um, but uh, usually uh, FIPS uh, in, in North Atlanta uh, is pretty good about um, – picking up movies like that. That's where I saw Hell or High Water. So, um, so yeah, uh, cross my fingers that I'll be able to see it there. 
All right, Tia, your thoughts on JoJo Rabbit, not the rabbit, JoJo Rabbit. I felt you wanting to say JoJo's a rabbit. I was like, I'm ready for it. But, um, yeah, have you guys seen the producers, like, either version of them? Oh, Uh, hell yes. (laughs) Okay, so this movie very much reminds me of Springtime for Hitler, it's all I keep yes. thinking to myself every time I see the trailer. Yes. I love it. I love it because it's supposed. To, it is like this really just it's a satire and it's a comedy. And clearly, you know, Taika Waititi is not sitting there like praising Hitler. He's doing it because he's like, I'm going to shit on this man's you know history by being a Polynesian Jewish man, and I'm playing you in. Uh, a movie, and it's just hilarious to me. I love the little boy who's just—he's this like bright-eyed boy. His imaginary friend is this version of Hitler, and um, as you said, the comedy just looks hilarious. Like Sam Rockwell looks so good in it as well. I'm really interested in seeing him, and just the whole yes. like, in, in this trailer, wasn't it the German version of, like, 99 Red Balloons? And it was just, like, hilarious or something. <laughs> or, it, it was just so good. Like I thought it was Heroes. Thing. Was it 99 yes, Red Balloons? Was it Heroes or was it, um, then I saw her face, now I'm a believer. I don't know. It was one of, it I was don't just, know. For whatever reason, I, I was hearing We Could Be Heroes, like Bowie. Um, but like I could be way off. I I've only watched it once, so I I may be totally Me wrong. Too. But like, I <laughs> but have to go back. Regardless, <laughs> like ninety nine red balloons. Like uh, I'm a believer. Heroes. Like however. Like whatever it was, it was splendidly like intertwined within the trailer. Yeah, and it was like peak comedy. And I love the idea yeah. that this little boy, as you said, like it is a comedy of satire, but I think there are going to be some heartfelt moments because obviously, you know, he's growing up wanting to be this Nazi, but then his mother is hiding a Lewis, little Jewish girl in their house. So it's going to kind of have a lot of laughs, but I think that it's going to have a message behind it to kind of tie it all together. And I'm hearing, you know, good things so far for those, who I guess, who've maybe seen, like, uh, test runs or something like that. But I believe in Taika. I think he's going to pull this off, and I think it's going to be a great movie um, altogether. So, yeah, super excited for this movie. Yeah, and I just want to add, too, like, there's been a lot of, um, like, a lot of dialogue recently about what it means to push comedy and – like what defines pushing comedy and 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 what defines as as maybe regressing comedy to the lowest common denominator and like i think obviously i have not seen it yet so i can't speak on this at full terms but this looks like exactly my definition of pushing comedy um like pushing the boundaries of comedy um yeah and like i'm really really excited to see it yeah, uh, comedy definitely is something that's um, – I'd say the offended crowd is trying their best to, um, I guess, m- not monitor, but kind of water down. Um, comedy at its best is always offensive. I mean, that's what makes comedy. It's supposed to be offensive to somebody. Uh, I've never seen a, a great comedian that didn't offend somebody. Um, and the thing is – Steve Martin. I don't, I don't know how many Martin? people Steve Martin offended. 
Oh, Steve Martin. I thought she said Martin. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember that many Steve Martin um, stand-ups. But do people consider Steve Martin one of the, one of the great stand-ups? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> like, he's okay. fucking hilarious, dude. Then I would I would then argue that Steve Martin may be one of, if not the only one. Uh, and, and again, He's an outlier. Offending, offending someone, I'm not saying, is what every great comedian goes into a show to do. But usually every great stand-up has something in it that is offensive to a race, a gender, uh, you know, a, a sexual preference. Um, a parent, a kid, anything. Um, I mean, because they're taking real life and making light of it. So it's always going to be offensive to someone. I think if well, that me, is something – go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, to me, I think JoJo Rabbit's going to have two audiences that it's going to offend. It's going to offend people who are just seeing, oh, it's a movie where a kid's imaginary friend is Hitler. And they're not seeing that it's supposed to be a satire. So that's going to offend people, and then people, and then it's going to offend people who are alt-right Nazis themselves, and who cares about offending them? <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, to me, it, to me, if something is supposed to be a comedy, it's meant to be funny. If it offends you, I can almost guarantee it wasn't whoever created it. It wasn't their intent to offend you. It was their intent to take something that might be. Um, super serious and bring a little bit of levity to it. Um, right. so, I mean, I, I just think we we have possibly some of the greatest comedians in in this generation, but much as we were used to, because society will find realize what um, what comedians are allowed to do. Um, and I think if that day ever comes, I just don't give me any comedy then. I mean, because I don't want watered-down comedy just to have comedy still alive. Um, but hopefully JoJo Rabbit um, will be received as a good movie, um, and that's it, even though we know that's not the world we live in. Um, but I just hope the negative isn't enough to outweigh the positive of what looks to be a really good movie. Um, all right, let's move on to our final trailer. Uh, this is my favorite, so I saved the best for last. And I wanted to make sure we had enough time to talk uh, both of you guys' trailers. Um, Watchmen, we got the final trailer for it. Tia, the cast will be at New York Comic Con. I 100%, uh, you know, intend on asking Yaya if the report that we put out months ago is true, if Yaya is indeed Dr. Manhattan. Um, If he dodges it, it means he is. So that's all I need. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so, You're going against your number one thing that you say, Juwan. What? That like just because someone doesn't answer a question or, or denies something doesn't mean that that's true. <laughs> Very true. But here's here's the thing I've learned about. But let me wait, wait, wait. But let me allow you to tell you why my <laughs> number one rule of thumb is wrong in this particular situation. Please, no, proceed. No, to be fair, to be fair, when it comes to actors, right, when it comes to actors, if he, if he was Dr. Manhattan, of course, he's going to say no, you know, because it, it's supposed to be a surprise. If he isn't Dr. Manhattan, he's going to tell you what? No. What I look for them to say is, I I couldn't tell I, I couldn't tell you like usually when they say words like I couldn't tell you or I can't get into it 
you know something. Like I'm I'm cooking with fire here. Um, but if they just flat out say no, like no, I'm not Superman. It's like well, duh. Of course he's gonna tell you that. They're waiting. Um, so if my if the answer we get is no, then that plays into my um, my number one rule because that's what everyone says. But it's when they give you more without giving you more by saying things like so I don't know, like I don't so know if who he's I am. Coy, if he's coy, that's going to be your giveaway. If he's coy, I'm going to believe. I'm not saying definitively. I'm just going to believe there's smoke <laughs> is all I'm saying. Um, all right. Because when we dropped the report, we got the report from someone we deemed to be very um, reliable. So to me, and the biggest thing about that report when we did it, no one else was reporting about it. No one was re- reporting against it. No one was reporting for it. We were the only ones who, who even made any report about it. So I'm like, if he's coy, it kind of lets me, you know, feel like there's there's some smoke here. Um, but I'm not saying right. definitively it means he is Dr. Manhattan. But anyway, I got winded just from that. Um, I thought <laughs> this was a, a really good trailer. Um, it It did nothing else for me because I am already extremely excited for this show. Um, I hope the show is really good because um, I want it to continue. Warner Brothers in DC right now are in this weird, weird mind state. Like Swamp Thing was incredible. Why they shortened it and then canceled it, I still don't know. Um, but hopefully HBO, um, you know, with, with the partnership of this, they're seeing forward. Like they want two, three, four, five, six seasons. Uh, I don't know how much – I think this show would have been better if it wasn't a continuation, if it was a tale of the beginning, because um, I think you could then expand more. But the story of Watchmen is usually about the main core that are now all pretty much dead. Um, so I don't know what the future plans for this, this show are going to be, but I was – I told you guys I was sold from when I saw Dr. Manhattan bend down and pick up the mask. I, I told you, Nick, I was like, there's no way anything Marvel does at, at San Diego Comic-Con will be better than this. And Feige was like, oh, oh yeah? All right. Commercial <laughs> Ali is Blade. And I was like, damn it, I knew he was going to do something like that. Um, no, <laughs> you should uh, have I was, known. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. Uh, but, no, I, I'm really excited for this trailer. I hope I, I hope that we get to have a roundtable with the cast. Um, talking to Regina King, not Hall. I always get them mixed up. Regina King. Um, talking to her, I'm, I'm pretty sure would be great. But she looks like she's a huge part of this season. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just can't wait to see more from her and actually sit down and talk to her. But, um, Nick, I'm going to go to you. What were your thoughts on the final trailer for Watchmen? The biggest thing that stood out to me from this trailer is the cult of Rorschach and how they may not be on the up and up. Um, it, it, in the sense of, I, I guess maybe you could have always assumed that um, from from the prior trailers, but it really kind of hammered home to me how the, this this group of people is is really operating outside of the means of um, any any sort of um, you know uh, balance of of law and human rights and all of those kinds of things. And even if they're doing that with the best of intentions, um, how that could 
very much go wrong, uh, and that is the thing that kind of intrigued me the most. And in that respect, I did get a little nugget from this trailer that in, that added to a level of interest that obviously I wasn't as sold as you were on the previous two trailers. Um, not that I not that I was like you know against them or or, or, or didn't like them. But I just I wasn't have not been as high on this series as you have been, um, and and that little nugget adds a lot of interest to me, particularly as it like if you think of the 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 path that Rorschach took and essentially his um, mo and you know how he operated. Uh, throughout the course of the movie and you know even the comic book uh, obviously he operated outside the bounds of law but like what would he think about um about all of these people that are um trying to quote unquote carry on his legacy um but when you when you start adding all of these different people into the mix and all of these different ideas um does that take away from uh what he would have actually wanted um obviously it would to some extent but to what extent does it do that um so that is kind of what i'm most interested in uh and seeing how that plays out of like what does the cult of Rorschach do throughout this series, and how do we juxtapose that with what Rorschach's intent was, um, you know, throughout his existence? I'm, I'm I'm more intrigued by that than anything I had yet to see. Um, so that did add like a, a, a little element that I. Um, like stuck out to me that I, I, I that intrigues me a lot, and I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts with uh, with this first season. Doomsday seeming to be uh, seemingly being the biggest point of this season, but um, there's just a lot of moving parts in the Rorschach army or whatever they're calling themselves. Um, I, I remember I told you before, Nick. I really hope there's one person behind it. Um, but it does not look that way. And if it's not, it's not. But I, I just, I want Rorschach to live on. And I think if you have someone as the ring leader, um, I think that bodes well, especially going forward. But um, regardless, I'm just really excited to see this freaking show. Um, like, I need it now. Um, but uh, Tia, what were your thoughts for the final trailer of Watchmen? I really enjoyed Regina King in uh, in this trailer. Really excited to see her in this kind of role because I don't think that it was something that I ever previously thought that she could do. It's really interesting seeing the dynamic between her and um, God, I forget who the other woman is, and I feel kind of silly doing so, but it just looks really interesting to see this kind of world now, how it's going to be. Um, like, aesthetically, it doesn't necessarily remind me too much of the Watchmen movie. It looks very much like its own thing, which is fine. It just, it looks overall very interesting. It's obviously, you know, set 
uh, in this kind of time where everything like that is going on. And I mean, I'm not really that, say, like familiar with the Watchmen like mythos. It's been a really long time since I've seen the movie. But I'll definitely check out the show just because the way they're constructing it just looks very, like, everything seems like it's on edge um, in the, like, say, the political, the social spectrum, and that everything's almost being, like, held on by a thread. And I like when you can get that type of, um, that type of feeling from watching a trailer. Yeah, I mean, this, this just feels like it could be something special. Uh, and I hope that it is. I hope that it is something special um, because Watchmen was a great movie. Um, never once thought it needed a sequel, um, but this show is technically the sequel to it. Um, so I just hope it's good. I hope it's good and we can get more from this world because it is a very rich world. Um, but all right, let's move on to our main topic. We got a lot. Well, not a lot, but we got some good stuff to talk about. I want to start with the most important that I think I'm going to differ with you guys on, and that is the news of X-Men reboot looking for person or people of color, technically, because it's two people, but person of color for Charles and I put Eric, but Eric is Magneto. Um, This, to me, it's it's weird because uh, talking talking this out with Joel, he was like, well, you can't really do what they did before because it's like it's so far from um, when the Holocaust was, which we know we've seen the past two iterations of Charles and Eric um, from the newer ones with um, Michael Fassbender and the older ones with um, Patrick Stewart. Um, to me, I think if you're making them black, right? Uh, obviously, Magneto and Charles Xavier were uh, created from the idea of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. To me, the biggest issue I have is by making them black and you telling us that these characters were made from Dr. King and Malcolm X, the biggest thing those guys are trying to fight for um, was equality and injustice. We have got equality to a degree. Injustice is still here today. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because Black Panther touched on it. But that movie was never given – let me not say never given because maybe it wasn't ever planned for it to be. But it never fully went into why um, Killmonger was so strong on um, the idea of we're over here dying. You, you know, you're over there in Wakanda in your cushy palace, um, in, in your technology. You have no idea what we're going through over here. They didn't fully go into what he was referring to by that. And what he was referring to by that was the injustices um, that he felt as though black people were, um, were going through. So to me, I'm like, if you're making them black, the idea of mutants were people hated them because they were different. That is legit. <laughs> What Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were fighting against was the idea of people hating someone just because they were different. So I get you can't go into black issues because they're mutants. So it's not like all the mutants are black. So you're just going into it from a standpoint of mutants. I want it to be more than that. Um, And I don't think Disney has any interest in going, uh, not deep into it, but even – 
playing with the idea of it. Um, so, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm a little skeptic on, like, yes, sure. Could you pull out names like Jeffrey Wright? Could you pull out names like Denzel and it be box office? Of course. But I want it to mean more than just getting, um, you know, two really good black actors. Um, I want you to kind of dive more into the injustice of where those characters came from. Um, so I'm just, I, they're obviously not going to do it, and I think that is what bothers me the most. Um, but, yeah, my sermon's my over. Sorry, I could go for forever with this. But, um, <laughs> Nick, I'm going to pass it to you. Your thoughts on, um, again, this is rumored, by the way. I didn't start with that. I apologize. Right. This is speculated. Uh, this is being speculated that they are looking for a uh, person of color for both Charles Xavier and Magneto. But, Nick, your thoughts on the speculation of the possibility of Xavier and Magneto being people of color? Well, this is interesting to me because I, you know, basically said kind of what you're saying now about Superman being black and how you can't just make Superman black and tell the same story. You have to make it more. You like if you want to do it, I'm all for it, but you have to make it more. You like so what I mean by that is, you know, when you're dealing in the context of Superman, um you know, he lives uh you know, grows up on this small in this small town in Kansas. Like let's not kid ourselves like um you know, there's very there's still very racist elements in this country, particularly um in, you know, areas of the country where they're maybe not as um uh conditioned uh to to interact with people um of of broad, very different backgrounds. Um Kansas would be kind of one of those places. So my big thing with making Superman black was I think it would be awesome to do if you did it the right way and you kind of incorporated that into um, how he came to be um, and, and and almost kind of using Martin Luther King as somewhat uh, as a prototype as how you would construct his character uh, and and how maybe, you know, being, you know, I I would assume uh, one of very few other African American kids. Well, he, I guess he technically wouldn't be African American, but another black kid um, uh, in his town and at his school and all of this stuff. Like, and and the, the being chastised for the color of his skin and those kinds of things, and how that would. Um, sort of affect his character and how he rises above that to become this beacon of um, humanity. Um, and I always thought that, you know, if you're going to do that, you have to go all in. Um, so in that sense, I agree with you. Um, in much to, to the same way, if you're going to do it this, you know, if you're going to make Professor X and Mag- Magneto people of color, then you need to you need to really go all in and and make their backgrounds um, representative of that. How do you do that? Um, I think 
I think an interesting way to go about that, especially given how, you know, like a modern day um, older person, let's say 60 ish, um, like obviously that, like you said, wouldn't bode well as as far as um, being involved with the Holocaust. Maybe you can make Magneto a part of the South African apartheid. Um, like if 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 you were going to go that direction and really make that a foundational um, sort of uh, construct or piece of his character, um, then I I would get behind it. I would say yes. Like let's explore that and explore how his upbringing in that environment shaped his belief. And then I think you would have to take Professor X and flip that and and make it have him be in a completely different place in the world, growing up around the same time, but having a, like a different aspect of that. So perhaps somewhere, maybe in England, um, but somewhere in Europe, um, where you know, uh, in in broadly speaking terms, you're dealing with a more progressive society that doesn't have the um the 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 tenets of racism um that blanket uh you know that part of society um maybe and maybe that then could be the juxtaposition um you know or even perhaps you know he could be even in America um to some degree where you know he could see these cultures working together um, to, to overcome um, the, the, the uh, scars of racism that you know are, are still obviously here uh, in our country, um, I think you would you would have to really you would have to really alter the character um, uh, the characters, uh, and you would have to sell it. Like you really have to uh, focus on what the characters went through. That led them to feel the way they did, um, and as long as they're able to deliver on that, then I am 100% okay with it. But I do agree with you, Dwan. I think that you, if you're going to do it, you need to go the whole nine yards. And is Disney really wanting to go down that road, um, or are they not? And I would tend to agree with you. Maybe they're not, um, but maybe they are. You know, like maybe. That is something that you know that could be uh, like I don't I don't think it would be controversial um, for them to do that um, at least not in the sense of um, you know the majority of of you know viewers I mean obviously you know we're gonna have that alt right segment that Tia mentioned earlier and who gives a fuck what they think um, but nevertheless uh, I do think it's important that if you're going to go down that path, then you do have to I don't maybe you don't have to, but I think it would be incumbent upon you to explore that aspect of their character, you know, just like any like any other character in, in how their backgrounds define them. Um and I would hope that if they do choose to do that, that's the direction they would go. Um but you know, we'll see. We don't even know if they're going to go that route. We'll, we, you know, we'll have to wait and see what what they 
decided to do, and we may not know this for a long time coming now, um, but I don't know. I do think using the South African apartheid as a backdrop for Magneto's character could be really interesting um, and something that, uh, you know, not only um, could we, like, you know, teach uh, people about that, um, you know, I mean, I would imagine a lot of Americans have no idea that the the ongoings that that happened uh, during that time period and in that place. Um, but like using that as like a, a motivational uh, part to a particular character, I think would be interesting. And I think it would fit as far as the time frame um, and the age of the character. Um, and in and, and combining all of those things together, I think that could work. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I thought about this yesterday or, or, or the day before. I, in my mind, I wanted police injustice to be um, not heavy, but to be a solid plot. You could have it be to where the events we know back in Birmingham, no, not Birmingham, but the events we know of, the cops, you know, with the hoses and the, the German shepherds, right. we could have that be what Xavier and Magneto went through. And then you fast forward sure. to today. Today, black people being shot unarmed. Um, I, I'd recently seen a video. I, I didn't even see this video before I hear about it. It was the cop who shot the black kid and then threw his taser uh, by his dead body. It was trying to say that he grabbed the taser and he had to defend himself. Like, do things along that line, along those lines, but make it mute. So it feels, or we could feel that connection, and it feels real to us because we see it every day. We hear about it every day. But you're, you're mm-hmm. putting it in the formation of mutants to where it still applies. Because if you watch the first X-Men trilogy, um, it was just purely about the injustice um, against mutant lives. Like, they would just kill mutants, wouldn't matter, no one would care, no one would bat an eye, they don't matter, they're not real people. Um, so, I mean, it, it represented the idea of injustice, um, so you could still keep it in that same vein to where it doesn't feel overtly political, because that is exactly what happened in the comics. Mutants were treated as if they weren't real people. Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't be overtly political. Um, and that's why I said I felt as though Black Panther kind of pulled back from being overtly political when it could have ramped it up being overtly political um, with Killmonger uh, with Killmonger's motivation. Excuse me. Um, so I think police injustice is a way you could represent for how they uh, for why they fight so strongly. Um, you know, so, from when it happened to so them, essentially- fast forwarding to now. Right. So essentially what you're saying is take the – like what the backdrop of the creation was behind those two characters and, and the mutants in general and right. update that to current-day America. And if you're doing that, um, you you could have various illusions as they did when they created these characters in, within the comics in the 60s. Um, without necessarily having to delve into any sort of race changing or anything like that. Is, it, is that what right. you're – Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Because uh, to me, I kind of just feel like 
to me, I'm never a fan of being halfway. If you're going to do something that you know a lot, like remember, people hated Black Panther. Well, some people, let me not say people in general, but some people hated Black Panther just for being black. That was it. That was their only motivation for hating. Well, it only has an Oscar now because, you know, it was black people. Like, it, it, was, it was a solid movie. Like, it, it, it was a good movie. You know, like, it wasn't like it was a bad movie and we're trying to inflate it just because it's a person of color. So to me, I'm like, if you're not using this just purely as a ploy or purely as a, you know, hey, look, we're being different, then go all out. Like, be fully committed. I don't like the idea of just, <clears throat> excuse me, of just kind of being like, hey, you know, we made them people of color, but we're not really going into race, then don't do it. Like, don't do it at all is it, it, my biggest thing. Um, and, you know, to me, it, it's going halfway. And I always bring up when, when Joel always passionately tells me why he needs Miles, if we ever get him in live action, to be Hispanic um, and not to be Caleb McLaughlin is because there's no representation. So it's like, the character is half Hispanic, but we have black characters now, like a lot, especially if they're going to start making white characters black characters. We have even more. So I'm like, Hispanics do not have representation. So instead of making Miles half, just make him Hispanic. Like his dad in the comics is never that, uh, never really that big a part of his life, um, you know, whether he passed or whatever the story was, but his mom was a huge part of his life, and she was Hispanic. So I'm like, just make the character Hispanic, fully commit to it. So to me, I look at this and I'm like, it's the same, Nick, it's the same feeling I had. Remember when I told you that, you know, uh, them saying that we could have a first black female James Bond. And I'm like, I kind of feel like that's right. somewhat of a gimmick. Like, especially if she's James <clears throat> Bond and dies. That to me is a gimmick. I do not like that. I, I don't like it. Um, and to me, I'm kind of just feeling like if any of this is true, because again, I'm wasting a lot of breath on something that's just a speculation, but, um, you know, if any of it does hold merit and it does become reality, I don't want you to, to halfway do it. I want you to fully commit. And if you can't do that, or if you're not willing to do it, then just don't do it. Like there's not black people lining up saying you have to make some of these X-Men black. No one's really saying that. Um, like, I mean, if you want to really go into that, you could make any of the other characters of the X-Men black. You could make Iceman black. Like, there's nothing about his story that says he has to be white. Um, so I'm like, you can make other characters black. You don't have to make the two main characters in Charles Xavier and Magneto black if you're not going to fully commit. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's my biggest take from it. And I think police injustice is the best way to blend the two, the two generations. Um, but, again, a lot of breath for something that is speculation. But, Tia, um, I want to go to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, idea of, uh, on the idea or the speculation of Marvel looking to make uh, Charles Xavier and Magneto people of color? Oh, I hate it. No, joking, joking. I just wanted to sound like one of those asses that I've been seeing on Twitter lately. Uh, <laughs> Don't use just that clip. I feel like people are here and be like, of course the white girl says that. No. Um, I want to play uh, a little bit of <laughs> devil's advocate right now and wonder if you kept them white, how, wh- where is their story going to begin? Because the Holocaust is just too, too far in the past. I mean, 
if you kept it where Magneto was in the Holocaust, I, there's no plausible way to have him now in the current time. I mean, isn't the current, by the time they introduce the X-Men, it's going to be like in the MCU, like 2030 or something, because already I think we're up to like 2023, and the X-Men aren't going to be introduced for a few years. It's just not plausible unless you have it where, okay, X-Men can't age or something like that, or the Holocaust was way closer to modern days than it actually was, or another dimension, which I think you've even talked about, Juwan. You don't want that. You don't want the X-Men coming from just another dimension, you know, where that's more plausible. So where do you really root their characters if you kept both of them uh, Caucasian? If anything, it makes more sense to have both of them be people of color in the retrospect that you can pick um, different time periods. I think that both of you had really good ideas, both you, Juwan, and Nick, as to how you can introduce these two characters as people of color so that we could integrate that into their stories. I mean, you could even have, say, the civil rights movement, although that, too, um, I looked up the dates just so that I didn't sound like an ass right now, but it's like 1964 and 1968. I mean, they would still be old. So you would have to just work it out somehow. Either way, the personalities aren't going to change just because you make them people of color. I mean, Jeffrey Wright would do a fantastic job. You know, uh, Denzel Washington would do a fantastic job. You would be able to still have that Magneto and Professor X relationship, regardless of what the color of their skin are. You're just going to have to figure out now what's the new way. The only thing is that I know that some of the people that I saw online who kind of have like a problem with it um, were saying, you know, how important it was that Magneto is Jewish because of, you know, the representation for Jewish people, but you can still make Magneto Jewish regardless what the color of his skin is. So I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. me. just get some two really great actors. You have really big shoes to fill with Ian McKellen Patrick Stewart, and then Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. I mean, it's going to be hard to follow those characters just because those actors are so good. But if you just get the people that we've just mentioned, you're golden. You just have to get people, though, that are willing to be in this for a while because we don't want it where, you know, it lasts like one movie or two. This is the X-Men, and a big part of the X-Men are the big two. So you need to make sure that you get actors who are willing to be in the long run and maybe people are naysayers now but they're going to see it's the same thing like you know people bitched at first that Nick Fury was black people bitched at first that Hemdall was black now we love those characters now they're integral parts or you know R.I.P. Hemdall I guess but you know Nick Fury is an integral part of the MCU and I don't think now if people if it did matter to people, I would hope that it doesn't matter anymore, the color of his skin. So it would be interesting to see if Disney is really going to do this, and it's going to be interesting if what story they decide to go with. The thing with Black Panther and Killmonger is I feel like they didn't go into it as much as they should have because it's a Disney movie when everything's all said and done. So what they, how brave Disney is to actually go into a certain storyline is completely up to them. 
Well, that's why I'm saying I, I get that, and I, I 100% agree with the idea of it's Disney at the end of the day. That's why I said yeah. if you're not going to do it, don't do it. Like, don't the do only it. reason Black Panther works for me is because it takes place in a fictional part of Africa. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. if most of the movie takes place in a fictional part of Africa. I could see why they're not really going to touch more or, you know, or touch a lot more on the idea of it. But to me, it's like, you're going to make these characters, like, don't tell me you're making these characters black because you didn't know how to, you didn't know how to go about making them white to where it made sense. That's a ploy. Like, that, that's a ploy. That's a tactic. I don't like that. Tell me you're making them black because when you got the rights back, you always had planned for these characters to be people of color. Because you always envision your Xavier as Jeffrey Wright or your Magneto as Denzel Washington. I can accept that, but you have to then go fully in. Um, like, to well, me, there is no halfway. Well, I'll ask the question is, how do you think they would be able to even keep these characters with their original storylines if they did, say, decide to keep them as is, well, you know, with well, the Holocaust to be seen so far, you know, in the past? To be fair, the idea that Scarlet Witch causes, or let me say, possibly causes a multiverse from her show Mm -hmm. with Vision, and she's going to be in the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. There is a very good chance that the multiverse she creates is how we get X-Men. Now, whether they come from a different Earth, whether it's a multiverse where turns out they've always been, whatever, I can almost guarantee you the multiverse whether it's the show or the movie, are going to um, usher in me. That's how we're going to get me. Um, so whatever you get it from that, that's how it's going to be. I will also say I've never thought it was important for us to see again how Charles and Magneto, um, like what they went through to become who they were. I never thought it was necessary to show us that again again, and again, and again. So you could make them Jewish and just not have to show us that origin again. You could make them black and not have to show us the origin again. But to me, it's the idea of, it's the same thing with Spider-Man. I don't need to see Uncle Ben die 50,000 times. There's no different way to do it. Like, what, you're next time see he's going to be hit by a car? Like, what, he's going to fall from a skyscraper? Like, stop <laughs> killing the man. Stop killing Bruce's parents. You know, like, it, it's old. So I don't need to see an origin story for the X-Men all over again when it comes to Xavier and Magneto. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, that's stupid. You should have it in there. I'm just saying if they wanted to keep them white and keep them Jewish, you just don't have to show us the story of how they became. It is all Work for Spider-Man. You don't have to do it. It worked for Spider-Man. It did. And to be fair, to be fair, we did not get – um, a we saw Magneto's origin as far as the injustice against him that made him hate. Um, we didn't all we saw from uh, Charles is that he had a pretty cool upbringing and Raven came into his life. That was really it. <laughs> that was it, and no one complained about it. So, and I can't even remember what uh, Patrick Stewart's Charles went through. Um, I don't even know if they actually showed it. Um, no, I never so, got explored. So to me, I'm like, none of that is important. We don't need to see it. But if you make them black, you got to go all in. Or keep them white and, and, you know, keep the characters Jewish as you originally had it. Just don't give us an origin story. Done. It's really literally not that hard. But the last thing I wanted to say before we move on, I did want to say, Nick, uh, 
the concept of the idea of Superman being black, the show Krypton touches on it. And it, it touches on the idea of Kryptonians, some Kryptonians actually being black, like Zod is black. Um, and it just, it doesn't really change anything of the story. Um, Superman will be white because I believe he, um, both of his parents were white. He didn't have the, the kid with the um, the other lady, but it, it just, it honestly didn't change anything. Like, it, not one thing. Um, now, whether you think the show Well, yeah, on Krypton, not, sure. Right, right. So I'm saying... Like, I, what landed, I'm saying is, like, a little, uh, like, a little kid who has black skin growing up with either two white parents, um... I mean, obviously, you couldn't. You it would have to. You would have to go with the adoption storyline, um, or if you have a um, uh, Superman being a uh, a uh, uh, black skin, um, and so then you have uh, one of Ma or Pa Kent being black. Um, I think that would have to factor into your storyline too, as far as um, you know, rural Kansas. Uh, like an interracial relationship, um, and and show that as far as uh, it, it, the context of him growing up. I think there's, I think if you're if you're doing it, I don't know why you wouldn't address those sorts of aspects and and envelop that into your film. Is all I'm saying. Like otherwise, why are you doing it? If not, yeah, if, I mean, you yeah. know, just to make him black, you know, like. And if that's why you're doing it, what's the point? I mean, I I felt like that's what you were getting at with, um, with with Magneto and and Professor X, and in that sense, I agree with you. No, that that is exactly where I'm getting at. The the point I always make with Superman that I'm I'm not saying is your point, but is the point that I argue against people who feel as though it is this point. I am saying to make Superman black does not drastically change the character. To make uh, I'd say maybe. 15% of the characters that are originally white in the comics, to make them black, does not drastically change any of their characters. Like, it, it won't drastically change Superman. Aspects of him will change. His upbringing, right. um, what he had to go through growing up, that will change. Um, but right. it won't strip Superman of who Superman is. That is the only point Correct. I ever make when I say if you make Spider-Man black, if you made Superman black, nothing changes. Just aspects of the story are different, um, and and that's why I'm confused when people are like, ah, you can't do that. No, you you easily could, and it wouldn't change right. anything. Um, so I'm like, that is the only point I ever try to make, um, and it's the same point I would make with Charles and Magneto. If you're going to make them black, it doesn't drastically change who they are at the end of the day. The characters when they were Jewish went through an injustice. The characters when they're black went through an injustice. That is really it. Now, how the, the elements of their story would be different, but it's not like, oh, man, he's black, so he can't be a telekinetic now. No, that's stupid. Right. So I'm like, that's what I mean by it doesn't drastically change them. Um, so right. that is my biggest argument against people who are like, well, you can't do it. Well, no, you could, and you'd be fine with it. Um, like, ultimate. Unless the, the hate you have is in your heart. That usually can't change, but if you're thinking with your brain more logically, it won't strip your favorite characters of who they are. Look at Nick Fury. If anything, making him Samuel Jackson made him a thousand times cooler 
than he's ever been in the comics. Fuck yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so don't tell me. So don't tell me going from Ian McKellen to Michael Fassbender to Denzel does not make your character cooler. Like it doesn't make him worse. Is all I'm saying. So I mean, Correct. you'll live with it. But all right, let's move on. Um, we finally got the Suicide Squad cast revealed. The full cast. I'm gonna riddle off some of these names. Uh, I'm gonna butcher these names. All right. Uh, John <laughs> Cena, Jai Courtney. Uh, nope, not even gonna try. All right. So I'm gonna go with the names that I know, and I'm gonna assume if you're a geek, you know majority of these names. All right. Um, all right. So we're gonna go John Cena, Jai, Jai Courtney, Joel Kinnaman, Nathan Fillion, um, Sean Gunn, Storm Reed. Pete Davidson, Taika Waititi, Alice Braga, Steve Agee, I guess, Tanache, can't pronounce the last name, Daniela, uh, Peter Cap, nope, can't pronounce that, Julio Ruiz, Capaldi. Jennifer Holland, oh, Capaldi, thank you, Viola Davis, yeah. Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, and Michael Roker. Now, there's a lot of names I didn't say, because I'm, I'm not going to butcher these people's names. Um, <laughs> We got a lot of names, but I did want to add this caveat before I pass it to you, Nick. James Gunn did say, as far as who they are playing, don't expect that anytime soon. Um, so, yep. what are your thoughts on this uh, on this roundabout cast? I think we got a rounded out cast here. Yeah, I mean, I like the names. I would love to know who they're playing. Um, but, you know, just in general, we know who, obviously, the people from the um, who are reprising their roles, you know who they're playing. We know a few of the others um, <clears throat> from various reports, um, but yeah, I mean, we, there's there's way more names here than we we can can you know confirm a, as to their characters. Um, I'm fine with them not revealing it. I mean, it's it's his project; he can do what he wants. Um, but for me to like really get hyped, I, I do kind of want to know who who's playing who, um, but. For posterity's sake, like he had me at Nathan Fillion. I'm like, finally, Nathan Fillion gets to be in one of his fucking movies. He's been like, he was supposed to be in Guardians, then he was supposed to be in Guardians too, and he, he like ha- didn't make the final cut on either of those. Um, so like, let's just cross our fingers and really hope that this is finally gonna happen once and for all. We're gonna get Nathan Fillion in a James Gunn movie. Um, and I can't wait to see uh, what character he's playing and how he dies because I hope it's going to be fucking magnificent. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see a lot of people upset with the idea of Pete Davidson being cast. I, I don't really know why um, Pete Davidson didn't really do anything to anyone. Um, there's a lot of hate for Pete Davidson out there. I, I mean, well, any, I did not know that. that <laughs> Anyone that could date Kate Beckinsale, um, I'd, I'd have nothing but undying respect for you because I can assume that's not an easy <laughs> thing to do. Um, oh but, um, I mean, he did date Kate Beckinsale. I mean, that's not easy. I can't go date Kate Beckinsale. Um, but, oh, okay. Um, I misunderstood you. I'm sorry. I, 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 he dated you, a lot of mean, girls out of his league. You mean landing Kate Beckinsale is not an easy thing to do. I read that as Having to date her is not an easy thing to do. So uh, well, we were just uh, our, our, our wires were crossed there. <laughs> to be fair, that is what I said, but not what I meant. So I do apologize. <laughs> but to be fair, I've never dated her, so maybe it is a lot to date Kate Beckinsale because they broke up 
maybe not long after they started dating. So maybe something is 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 to that. But um, I wouldn't be able to speak on that. I dug I you out. Know. Why are you digging yourself back in? <laughs> because on, I mean, it has to look on the other side. I mean, but anyway, um, no, I, I will say I agree with you in the sense of he's a director. It's up to him when he wants to release who they're playing. But I, I don't know how many more times I have to say this to directors. I don't care who's in your movie if you're not telling me who they're playing in your movie. Um, that, that, to me, is important. But to me, the only person I care about, I want to know who Idris Elba is playing. Once I know who he's playing, <laughs> I could care less who anyone couldn't. else is playing. I, I couldn't. I apologize. Couldn't care less. <laughs> um, but to me, it's like, just tell me who he's playing, and then I could wait on it. I could wait till the movie releases to see who everyone else is playing. Um, I just need to know who Idris Elba is playing. But I will say, Nick, the logo that he used is um, the same logo that they used on the original Suicide Squad comic. And if you look at one of the covers of the original Suicide Squad comic that that logo is from, um, uh, God, I forgot his name. Um, uh, who's the guy you want Idris Elba to, to, to play? I can't remember. Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger yeah. is on the cover of that comic. Um, although so is Deadshot, but Bronze Tiger is on the cover of it, so it kind of makes me believe he is going to be Bronze Tiger. Um, but regardless, <laughs> I think we all have faith in James Gunn and his ability to direct a really good Suicide Squad movie. Um, I did want to say one last thing. There's been a lot of hate um, towards David Ayer. Um, I don't think David Ayer deserves the hate. I think if you didn't like his movie, there's a lot of different people you could put that hate on. Um, but David Ayer, I want you to know from Geek Vibes Nation, we love you. Some of us don't think you did a bad job on that movie. Some of us think you did a horrible job on that movie. But nonetheless, we do believe in you <laughs> as a director. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think um, it's fair to hang that movie on him and not recognize all the other really good movies he's done. Of which um, there are plenty. Yes, there are plenty. There are plenty. I think the two most questionable ones he's done is the one with Will Smith and Suicide Squad. But outside of that, I'm like, are we going to ignore the other good movies he's done? I still think they have no idea why End of Watch was not nominated for something. That movie was really, great. really, really good. Uh, yeah, so and I think he did levels. Dark Blue as well, which is really good. Yeah, um, yeah. he also and, did uh, um, the movie with he Brad wrote Pitt. Training Day. Yes, he did I write think. Training Day. The movie yeah. with uh, Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, uh, John Bernthal, Fury. Fury. Oh, yes. yeah, he did Fury, Fury also. Fucking amazing. Yeah. So I'm like, I mean, why are we sleeping on David Ayer here? But I just want to love say how that because like. He's like, I know every title that John Berthold's ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Uh, I, just, I, wanted to, um, I just wanted to point that out because I do not think David Ayer deserves all that hate. Um, but, Tia, I want to go to you because you see all the hate that exists on Twitter. <laughs> um, but what are your thoughts on the names that got rounded out for the Suicide Squad? Well, first of all, let me start with David Ayer. I liked 2016 Suicide Squad, so no hate from me. It was questionable what you did with Enchantress, but uh, we can look past that. Uh, I love this cast. I love that we finally have all of them out there. 
you guys know I really like Joel Kinnaman, so I got, like, ridiculously happy that it is actually 100% confirmed that he is going to reprise his role as Rick Flagg. Um, this is great. He has his brother, Sean Gunn, in it. Taika Waititi is going to be in it. Uh, Michael Roker is fabulous that we have that. Love that Viola Davis is returning. Idris Elba's coming in. Margot Robbie. Um, this is great. did not expect Pete Davidson to be in it at all. And, yeah, the hate for this guy is unbelievable. But, uh, you know, John Cena, Jay Courtney's coming back as Boomerang. This is really just a great cast. And I love that um, James Gunn said, don't get too attached. So it's like, all right, most of you people are dying. I can see it already. Like, James Gunn is not going to be afraid to, like, knock off most of this cast, which is going to be hilarious. Um, I'm going to say that the only people that are safe are, like, Viola Davis, Margot Robbie, and Storm Reed, just because I think Storm Reed is, like, 12. I would hope that James Gunn isn't killing her off, but uh, besides that, yeah, every single one of them can be canon fodder. And I don't blame James Gunn for not putting out just yet who everyone is playing. I mean, for the most part, like, obviously we know who the returning characters are playing, but I think that for him it's almost, like, fun for us to kind of sit here and speculate who everyone is playing because, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the majority of people did not like the previous Suicide Squad, so this is at least getting people talking, it's getting people speculating, and it's keeping up the buzz for it, and I think that's exactly what both James Gunn and DC wants right now. Well, I'll tell you this, it's not fun. I'm not having any fun. I'm not having fun with not knowing who's in the Batman. I'm not having fun with not knowing who the people in the Suicide Squad are, are going to be. It's not fun for me. If anything, it's annoying to hear everything but the one thing I want to hear from either of these two movies. But I will say Storm Reed is probably a thousand percent going to be Idris Elba's daughter. Um, yeah. No, I can almost guarantee she will not die. But when you say don't get to attach, when I hear that, in order for me to feel as though that phrase really holds water, I need at least 10% of this list to die. At least ten percent for that to hold any amount of work. Um, but I think to me, that's, I think that's going to happen. Like I think most of these, like Pete Davidson is definitely going to die. Um, I feel like, uh, oh God, what is his name? Hang on one second, if I can get it up right now. Uh, David Dostmalshian mm-hmm. is definitely yeah. going to die. <laughs> definitely. Um, gonna die. Yeah. Definitely going to die. <laughs> I think Taika Waititi is gonna die. I think that's oh, gonna be fun for the for the two of them. I think, he's definitely dying. I kind of feel By like. By the way, go ahead. I'm sorry. Over under on uh, P. Davidson uh, dying by getting his like getting shot through the eye, <laughs> like just as a meta <laughs> joke. I think probably. that's probably gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's bound to happen. Yeah. Um, I do want to say though, as far as Nathan Fillion, I think. It'd be great if Nathan Fillion turned out for the MCU to be Richard Ryder, um, the original. Um, He's too old now. No, 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 no. He won't be the main character going forward. He'll oh, be passing yeah, the mantle. Okay. Yeah, he'll right, be passing right, right. the mantle okay. to the new, the new Nova. Um, because yeah. I did hear rumblings that after this Guardians, James Gunn and, and uh, Disney are interested in doing uh, a Guardians four. 
Um, right. So if you if one of the members dies from Guardians, which they should, um, I would love for Nova to become one of the newest members of the Guardians. Um, and if that is the case, have Nova have his solo and then join the team. Um, I would love for Nathan Fillion to be the original Nova, who maybe um, is training the newer Nova, obviously probably dies. Um, but I think he'd be amazing in the role of being a mentor to whoever, especially if you get a Nathan Fillion that doesn't want to train um, uh, whoever this new <laughs> Nova turns out to be. So it's always kind of like, oh, God, I forgot I have to train this kid. Like, oh, it's you again? <laughs> like being that kind of a mentor who obviously finds a soft spot towards the end, dies for the kid, and then the kid gets the, the mantle passed down to him. I think that'd be great. And I think if James Gunn is in any way uh, a part of whatever that Nova story is, I think you could really get great chemistry um, from the two of those guys working together. So I would love to see Nathan Fillion be that. Uh, but, yeah, I would never want him to be the Nova that is the main Nova going forward. But him being the mentor passing it down I think would be great. Um, but, yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, – I will say this. When James Gunn was attached to the Suicide Squad, I immediately felt as though there was no way he was going to do this and not kill a lot of people. My only curiosity yeah. comes from if you're killing a lot of people, I need them to be people that won't ever have to pop up in the DC universe going forward. That's why I was Michael like, don't Luker. use Mirror Master. Don't use like any characters that I would like to see pop up in the Flash or the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, use characters that you know no one cares about that it'd be cool to see. Like, use a Clock King. Like, I, I don't ever need to see the Condiment King or Clock King or whatever. I don't need to see those characters. Use them and kill them. Um, but, like, don't use characters that could be used further down the road. Um, so that's why I'm like, who are you using so I know who to get attached to going forward that I can see in another universe or who I'm going to see just for this movie and then they get their heads blown off. Um, so that was the biggest reason why I'm like, tell me who they are now. So I know what to do. Well, um, I'll tell you sorry, that you. Michael Roker is definitely going to die. Uh, I have a feeling that Rick Flagg is going to die. Um, I don't see him killing off Boomerang, because Captain Boomerang, just in case they're wanting to use him for a future Flash movie, if it ever happens. I mean, the, the, the more confusing thing about this is, Tia, we have no idea if any of these movies are ever going to connect with each other again. Uh, I mean, yeah. as far as – I also said this, and I thought you guys might like this. I had Joel laughing. I was like, how cool would it be if Birds of Prey ended with Harley being arrested? And, and like, all we see is a bunch of, like, these security guards grab her and throw a black sheet over her head. And, like, that's all we see. And then in the Suicide Squad, um, there's a scene where, like, it gets pulled off, and she goes, oh, not again. Like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, she's, it, she's part of the Suicide Squad again. Um, but she goes, like – what did I do this time? Like, I was the good guy this time. Like, that would be so meta if, like, those two movies connected. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Warner Brothers right now has no interest in connecting anything. So that's probably a pipe dream. But I thought that would be hilarious. If it was like, she got arrested, but she was the good guy this time. Like, she didn't do anything bad. Uh, I thought that would be hilarious. But, anyway, let's move on. Another topic that I think I will differ from you guys, uh, according to reports, Robert Downey Jr. will reprise his role as Iron Man for the Black Widow solo. Now, where I, what I mean by I think I might differ is I'm going to hold 
my possible dislike for this so we get more news about it because I originally didn't like it when he was cast to be in Spider-Man because I'm like, I don't want it to feel like Iron Man, uh, like an Iron Man movie. Like I need it to feel like Spider-Man is on his own, back against the wall. This kid has to save the day. And that movie turned out to be exactly that. Like Stark was there, but it essentially was a Spider-Man movie and his back was against the wall and tech didn't get him out of it. Um, he himself got him out of it because he used his original suit. Um, so it worked out. So I'm just curious as to why. Because I don't know if you guys remember, um, <laughs> Disney had a huge argument um, back when they were making Captain America Civil War. Originally, they did not want to make the premise of Civil War. Um, and Disney didn't like the idea. No, no, no. I think it was Feige. Feige and, and that core group didn't like the idea of bringing in Robert Downey Jr. Um, they wanted to create a story of just Cap to kind of round out that that uh, that trilogy. And Disney kind of was like, Iron Man is selling right now. Like, find a way to put Iron Man in there. And that's how it came out to be um, Civil War. Um, so I kind of look at this and I'm like, don't do, don't put Iron Man in it to sell this movie. Because if you're if you're a fan of Black Widow, that's enough. If you're a fan of Taskmaster, that's enough. If you're a fan of seeing David Harbour in a beard and a mask, that's enough for you. Like, you don't need yes. extra. Yes. So I'm like, <laughs> why is Stark in this movie is my biggest question. And I'm like, I hope it's not just to market this movie. Um, like, if he's on the poster, I'm going to be pissed because that means he's only <laughs> in this movie to help with marketing. Um, but if he's just a small little cameo, again, I'm wasting breath for something that doesn't matter. But, Nick, um, what are your thoughts on Robert Downey Jr. reprising his role as Iron Man for the Black Widow solo? Oh, he's definitely fucking in it to market this movie. Um, I mean, how many times have we heard people say, do we need a Black Widow movie? Uh, You know, we should have had a Black Widow movie, like, you know, five years ago. You're five years too late, blah, blah, blah. Like, we've heard that so many fucking times, like – of course, this is what it is. They're putting him in it to, like, fucking be like, hey, like, you're going to get Robert Downey Jr. back. Like, we're going to have Iron Man in this movie. Like, come check it out. And he's going to be in it for all about maybe five, ten minutes. Um, right. But, like, I don't think it's a bad move. I mean, it's smart. Uh, I mean, it's not like – I don't feel like they're doing an injustice to the character and um, his sacrifice um, in uh, – in in game, uh, in in putting him in this movie, I mean, they're not bringing him back from the dead. They're just, uh, it's obviously a prequel. There there will be a scene or two with him in it. I'm fine with it. I I, I did I didn't personally need it. Um, you know, to to sell me on this movie. Um, I've wanted a Black Widow movie for a long time now, and I'm really excited that we're finally getting one. And yes, it it, it is five years, um, later than it should be. Um, right. But I think saying it's five years too late um, is – I don't know. I, I think that's that's where I, I, I disagree. Um, but nevertheless, I, I'm fine with it. I, I, definitely, I definitely see it as a, uh, a, a marketing strategy. Um, they're like, look, we can pay Robert Downey Jr. $5 million, $10 million, whatever to be in this movie for five to ten minutes and we will absolutely undoubtedly make more than five to ten million dollars back 
um, from the box office by doing so. Uh, and you know, uh, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, I just, I really hope it doesn't come out that Robert Downey Jr. for a five to 10 minute, um, essential, essentially cameo made more money than Scarlett Johansson uh, for this film. Um, cause that's going to be a really bad look, uh, if that turns out to be the case, uh, for Disney. I can almost guarantee you um, that Disney just wouldn't put themselves in that situation. So one or two things will happen. I would hope one, not. You'll, one, you'll never know what Robert Downey Jr. made. That's A. Or B, I can almost guarantee you when Scarlet was negotiating, because Robert Downey Jr. being in this movie is not new. Like, let's, let's remember, they, they're filming it. So it's not like they just said, oh, Let's find a way. Let's find a part in this script where we just want to put Iron Man in it. Like, no, Iron Man probably was in the original draft of the script. The news right. probably just got out that he's in it, which means she knew he was in it. She probably was like, "All right, cool. What is he getting? Ten million? Great. I want twenty-five. So I'm pretty sure that's exactly <laughs> how it went down. Um, I don't think Disney would ever put themselves in a situation uh, like that because it's like. You assume they want to work with Scarlett Johansson again sometime in the future. You assume this isn't the last time we'll ever see Black Widow. Um, so I, you just don't want to hurt your market. You don't really want to affect your market of women coming. Because a lot of the Avengers coming up are female. So you don't want to hurt that. So I just, I, I just can't see where Disney would do that, especially with it being her movie. Now, if it was an Avengers movie, I could see them paying Robert Downey Jr. $100 million and paying Scarlett Johansson only, like, 35. Like, I could see that. But you can't underpay her in her own movie. Like, that's, that's unworldly. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, that, that's crazy. I, all of Hollywood does that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, let's, let's hope that that's not the case, though. I hope not. Um, but I, I will say it being a ploy is what I hate. Like you saying, like, that's of course what it is. I, I, I really do hate that. To me, if you think this character deserves a solo movie, make a solo movie, <clears throat> excuse me, off its own merit. Like, just make a Black Widow movie that doesn't have any other Avengers in it. Like, I mean, if you're going to put another Avenger in it, why would it be Iron Man? Like, I wanted it to be Clint. Like, why? Why put Iron Man in there? Like, Iron Man easily could probably, Clint will probably be in it whatever's too, happening. I would guess. I just, I'm, I, I, hopefully, hopefully, if if we hear news that filming has wrapped within the next month and a half, and we don't hear about him being in it, he's probably not in it. Um, but to me, it's just like I, I don't know. I have an issue with that because it's like you're doing it just to sell the movie. I thought the point was for her to sell the movie. Anyway, Tia, um, your thoughts on Robert Downey Jr. reprising his role as Iron Man for the Black Widow solo? I mean, I'm going to say that it would almost, almost make sense for him to have a small, small, small part, and only because if this is this is her first and probably only solo movie, and Black Widow was introduced in an Iron Man movie. So, you know, and they're both dead now and blah, blah, blah. But I do, so it doesn't bother me so much if it was, like, say, just in the beginning, right? Because doesn't this take place after Civil War? So if it's just kind of like explaining um, how the two kind of like departed, she went on her own way after the fallout, him maybe confronting her with allowing, I don't know, something like that, right? Or if you have it at the very, very end. 
either way. I don't care. But as much as I love Tony Stark, as much as I love Robert Downey Jr., I have been waiting for a Black Widow solo movie since she was introduced in the second Iron Man. And I really, based on what I've seen from, like, leaked footage and, you know, what we've seen in, from, uh, you know, D23 posters, blah, 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 I just want this to be solely Black Widow, Yelena, and the Red Guardian. Like, I am interested in that dynamic, that happening. I do not need uh, Tony Stark to have a huge presence. If it is a small one, then fine. And I don't actually necessarily mind him, say, quote-unquote, selling the movie. I think now that you have David, David Harbour in it, it's not going to be as hard. You'll at least have the Stranger Things uh, fans uh, on there. I don't mind it necessarily selling the movie just a little because I do want people to go see it. People are really – there are a huge group of people who don't want this movie so if you can kind of maybe sell it just a little bit, I'm okay with that marketing ploy. I just wouldn't be okay if he had a huge presence in the movie. Well, see, that's my issue. Like, <laughs> to me, that, that's what I mean about going all in. If you're trying to say this is the first female-led superhero movie, right, don't don't undercut it by, by saying, like, well, it's going to be hard to sell that. So Captain Marvel, bro. Well, that was Captain oh, Marvel. Yes, 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 yes. That was Captain Marvel. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, you just told it for me. I completely forgot about that movie. I told you guys I wasn't sold on that movie. I completely yeah. forgot about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it was okay, but I, I'll give you a pass. It wasn't the most memorable Marvel movie. No, no. But and, you, you and know I what I equated say... to? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Really, really quick. Why are the two female-led Marvel movies both prequels. Just throwing that out there. Movies that essentially quote unquote won't matter. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even thought about yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I will I will say this what I equated to. I refused to buy the new wrestling game because they originally were going to put Becky Lynch on the cover of it, right? The first ever female on the cover of a wrestling game. But they undercut it by putting a male on the cover with it. I'm like, that's, that's dirty, that's underhanded, that's grimy. That's you telling me you didn't believe she could sell it. And to me, it undercuts the whole point of her being on the cover. So to me, I'm like, if this is supposed to be Scarlett Johansson's movie, don't now undercut it by telling me you need Iron Man to sell it. That's why I said if he's not on the poster, I can live with it. But if he's on even one of their promotional posters, whether it's <laughs> international or here, I'm going to be disgusted because that to me is undercutting what you're trying to sell. And that's the idea that women can sell movies on their own. They don't need uh, Nick Fury. They don't need an Iron Man. Like they don't need it. They can do it themselves. That's an undercut to me. And I won't appreciate it at all. Um, I, applaud, but I, but, I, I applaud your, your stance. I, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with it. I'll put it that way. I appreciate that. Um, I'm just used to all my conversations with Joel just being, no, nah, I disagree. No, 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 I disagree on that. No, I agree, but I won't <laughs> tell you, so I disagree. Uh, all right, let's move on to our last topic of the day. Silver Surfer is rumored to be in development. Um, okay, I mean, there's like 30 movies that are in development for Marvel, but um, 
All right, yeah, Silver Surfer. I mean, he just better not come out before Fantastic Four. I mean, that's literally all my take is. But um, Nick, your thoughts on Silver Surfer rumored to be in development? I hope they like fucking went to Noah Hawley and were like, "So what did you? What did? What were you planning for the Silver Surfer movie?" And he was like, "Well, I, I was funny. You should ask. I was planning this. It's going to be like real psychedelic and Jack Kirby-ish and all this stuff." And they were like. Fuck. All right. Um. Uh. We're gonna. We're gonna. If you can just fit it in the MCU, we want to let you make your movie. And I hope that Noah Holly was like, "What do you mean by fit it in the MCU?" And they're like, "Well, you know, you know, you know what we mean." And he was like, "Uh. uh okay. I'll, I'll play ball with you guys. Um. Here's the things I'm not willing to budge on. Here's some of the things I might be able to budge on." But, uh, yeah, and then they were like, all right, yeah, well, let's do it. And so, like, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get a fucking Noah Hawley uh, fucking Silver Surfer movie. Well, I mean, if they're not going to move forward with his Doctor Doom, just let him do something, I guess. I mean, he's too good of a of a director for you just to let him sit in limbo. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the idea of the news of it being in development is like – that's like you telling me, like um, – you know, Fantastic Four is in development. X-Men is in development. Like, yeah, water's wet also. Like, that's – okay, whatever. Um, yeah, uh, and by the way, I, I was thinking of Doctor Doom, not Silver Surfer. I think Adam McKay was the one who wanted to do Silver Surfer. So maybe swap out Holly and put McKay. I don't know. I would love to see Noah Holly work on an MCU project nevertheless, though. I mean, I, last time we heard Nick, uh, he did have a conversation with Feige, and Doom wasn't off the table. Um, it just wouldn't come anytime soon. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say this. I did hear a rumor that the first Fantastic Four movie may not have Doom in it. So it might make sense to do a Doom movie, do a Fantastic Four movie, then do a Doom into the Fantastic Four movie. So, I mean, we still can do I like it. this. Um, I like this because we can get the classic character of Mole Man. Give me more. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, never thought in a thousand years they would make Vulture even remotely. There you go. Um, so you getting Peter Dinklage or whoever to do Mole Man, it would work. It would work. Um, Tia, sorry, I almost wrapped up the show. Tia, sorry. Your thoughts <laughs> on Silver Surfer being rumored uh, to be in development? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean. That's cool. Uh, I might be, like, the only <laughs> one who actually liked Fantastic Four, The Silver Surfer, but I don't know how you would do – like, I, I'm saying this, and I'm probably sounding completely ignorant that way, but I don't know how you would do maybe, like, a solo movie. Um, but, sure, I mean, it, I'm you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there would probably be a lot that they can put in. But as you guys said, it's in development, and that could mean anything. That could be years from now. That could mean that it could never happen. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, we got a lot of shit. I mean, we already have phase four. That's going to take a couple of years. I mean, that's so in the future right now. Well, I, I did like the first Fantastic Four. I thought the only thing that ruined the second Fantastic Four was the fact that uh, Galactus was a cloud. Um, I thought that, that who I, I don't know, um, <laughs> not not smart, not smart. But um, I just didn't hate those movies as much as a lot of people did. I thought they were okay. I didn't think they were the greatest, yeah. but they weren't Angley Hulk bad. 
Um, so, I mean, that's always <laughs> a bright side. Um, but, all right, we had a great bounce back show. Um, glad that I got to do this show with you, you guys. Um, make sure you guys tune in to Top Tens. Tia just shot that today. Well, not shot that, but recorded that today. Stay tuned for um, NBA Geekly. Didn't mess it up this time, Nick. Um, Monday's Cheers, man. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, <laughs> Geeks Against the Grain. We have so much coming for you guys. It is almost New York Comic Con time, and all 10 of us will be dying by the time that weekend is over. So um, appreciate us for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because after that we will no longer want to be a part of anything um, after that service. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So uh, thank you all so much. Uh, Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Tia. Um, Can't wait for us to do another episode next week. But till then, peace. Peace. See ya.